But you were so successful during your time at Xavier. Uh, you know, four-year starter, averaged double figures every year, scored over 2,000 points as a player, you know, just under 900 rebounds as well. And once again, it shows the value of your game on both sides of the floor. Played in four NCAA tournaments. You know, you know, now that you've been away from the program for a number of years, you know, how do you look back at your time at X? Wow, I mean, it's, it's, I can never, like, I mean, take anything away for that. To be part of one of the greatest, you know, programs, you know, playing four years and finish school there, you know. I mean, it's like family to me, you know. This place is very, like, a home to me. I mean, I put that, I, can, I always say people ask me, well, Xavier is, I say, this is my home. You know, I feel like this is home. I mean, I had a great memory there. I have a great life there, you know. People just unbelievable on the run. I mean, it's just like family. Like, every time I go back there, you know, I feel like home. You know, that's the thing I like about it. All right, on the last podcast interview for the Xavier Basketball 100 Years Podcast Interview Series brought to you by Heartland Bank, I welcome in Xavier Hall of Famer Romaine Sato into the podcast. Romaine obviously had an amazing career during his time at X and has become such a great ambassador for the program throughout his professional career. Thank you, as always, for checking out this podcast series and enjoy this interview with Romaine Sato. Well, and your story to uh, to Xavier and the professional basketball is different than most players, especially I, I know when it comes to Xavier, your story of how you got there, you know, much yeah. different than any other player. You know, early mm-hmm. years you were in the Central African Republic, and maybe for yeah. those that haven't lived in those conditions or even ever been to Central African Republic, you know, how would you explain your early years and, you know, maybe what is one of the biggest misconceptions people in general have of Africa. I mean, you know, most people get you know Africa. They, you know, a lot of people don't know because you never been in, so you don't know how it is. But life is different. You know, I mean, it's not same in America and all that. Like I said, I have a great opportunity to come with a chance program student, and I'm a lucky one. Like I said, and to come over there and be able to go to school here and then, you know have a great career playing basketball and going to school and get education. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, that's how I was, you know, if I can't help people doing that, that would be the best thing. Because it's the best thing to live in a country. Like, you know, a country is not, my country, to be honest with you, is not, it's not like it's some African country. My country is a very poor country. I mean, 10 years is just civil war going on from a long time. Even before I left to now, it's still going on. So it's never get better, you know. But I just be blessed to get up and be able to do what I'm doing. And it just, it's amazing, man. So when you were younger, maybe how did your family, your parents explain to you what was going on around you? Because when you're when you're a young person, you don't know anything else. All you, all you know no, is what yeah. is surrounding you. So yeah. you know, were they able to kind of prepare you to leave and eventually come to the U.S. and have that culture shock in Dayton, Ohio? No, you don't prepare for that. You just, they, you know, in Africa, you live day by day. You never know what is tomorrow, what's the next day. I mean, I just, it's, you know, I mean, you don't prepare, like, something say, okay, in a couple of years, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. No, we just, it's two days, two days, tomorrow, tomorrow. I mean, it's basically that's our life in Africa, is, you know. So you might be lucky to live long, you know, I mean, you might not. You might be lucky to see tomorrow because the civil war going on. So a lot of people get killed in the fight and all that, you know. The robber want to come and take the country. Just, I mean, it's basically always something. 
So we just hope one day we'll get better. But imagine since I was there to now still going up. So my parents always hope, you know, anything come out better for me just going to school. And uh, I got a chance and uh, just to left the country, it's just blessing. Do you remember uh, when you started playing basketball and maybe realizing that this could be an avenue for you? No, I didn't think think like that. I I mean, to me, it's just all about playing soccer. You know, you play soccer because you're playing a sport growing up. So we never know. He might be professional playing. My country is no professional basketball. He might just play in a league. But it's no, not something like professional wise. So we never take that serious. You know, and back in the day, uh, soccer dominated because soccer is the men's sport. That's the soccer everybody watching this country playing soccer. So, I mean, when I started getting better at playing basketball, I kind of love it. You know, I started working hard. I'm like, wow, one day I can be able to do something with this if it's, I get able to all go to go somewhere in Europe, you know, and play ball if we succeed in Africa. But it's never easy. I mean, so, yeah, but we always have this in, mind, in your mind. But, you know, I, I started playing basketball when I was 14. So my favorite sport is always playing soccer, you know, growing up. So we play different sports, playing tennis, we play volleyball, we play everything. And then when we finish everything, we come back and start playing basketball. Basketball was always the last in the mind. But when I started to get better and I started playing, I was like, oh, okay, I can follow this sport. That's why I stick with that. <laughs> What was what was most difficult uh, about moving away from home and going to Dayton? I mean, there was a language barrier there. You spoke five Ooh. languages, but you didn't speak English. You know, so how did no, you get around that? That's tough, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, imagine you go somewhere, you know, you, you speak English all your life, and you go somewhere, you have to learn different languages, like, you have to start over, you know? So it's not easy, you know. I mean, it's tough. And my first, I don't know to tell you the honest. When I got there, I was like, whoa, what I'm, what I get myself to. You know, I can't go to school. I don't speak the language. Nobody speaks French. Nobody speaks this. So, I mean, I don't know. But I just like feel like you know, this is a language. My parents did a good job. You know, my parents in Ohio. When I got there, you know, everything I used just to, you know, right now we got to translate and then Google and all that. But back in the day, we didn't have that. <laughs> So all we're doing, we just have a dictionary, trying to look what I need to eat, what I need to talk, what I need to say, but it's so tough, you know. And uh, one day, you know, you just stand down like, man, you can't communicate with nobody. I mean, you just like, basically, you do the side line, you know, just point things and this, and, you know, it's hard for you to, I feel like, man, what type of life I'm going to be? <laughs> you know, it's not easy, but, I mean, God is good, like I would say, you know. And then my parents did a great job. They did a great job of just teaching me, you know, stay up late and trying to learn the language because the only way I can communicate, I have to learn. If I wanted to go to school and I wanted to do something, so I have to learn the language. And then, I mean, it, it, English is a tough language to learn, to be honest with you. you know, I, I went overseas, I speak, I mean, I learned all Spanish and all different languages quicker, but English is just one of the, one of the languages like so tough. And begin to learn from people I've talked to and kind of what I've read about you. You know, words yeah. that come to mind from people are winner, competitor. I'd imagine that didn't change on the practice court. Um, were you <laughs> were you one of the guys on the team that you know made sure everybody was ready to go and led by example? Yeah, man, that's just what I'm being all my life, you know. So 
I mean, I practice like I play a game. That's just the one thing, you know, I don't know. Some people might tell you, even all over my career in Europe and everywhere, they'll tell you all the coaches in Europe will say, I practice just like I play a game. I don't take any times off in practice or time off in the game. So I, that's why I prepare myself sometimes. It's the way I'm practice. I want to win. Even in practice, we playing five on five, you know, I want to win. You know, that's how just the way it is, you know. So, and it's the same way on a cold when I play in the game. So, it's true. <laughs> yeah, so you, you don't necessarily buy into the Allen Iverson description of practice. Ah, uh, no, nah, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't love that. I mean, you can't you can even, if you get a chance to talk to D-West or Lionel Charm and all these guys, they know when we practice, we're in the opposite way. We always, we get into. Because, I mean, you're serious. Practice never just, you know, we want to win. I mean, even if we do drill three on three, four on five, five on five, and end of the practice, we just in the other team. You want to win? That's just the way it is, and that's what we play the game. So, man, nah, <laughs> Iverson is have a different type of life. So. <laughs> yeah, you you had some uh, legitimate talent on those uh, rosters at Xavier. Um, who was your matchup? You know, did Coach Mata always have the starting five versus the next five? Did he mix it up? Or, you know, would he pin you against Lionel Chalmers day after day? Well, you know, it's just always just like a deep friend. We never just say, okay, that's the starting five we're going to play. And that's the way. No, we don't. Sometimes I would play against the D-Wars most of the time in practice. You know, I would play against the Chalmers a lot in practice. You know, sometimes I'd be in there. I mean, we never just be like, okay, this is the five star we're gonna play against. You. you know, if we work on a game plan, sometimes you might do that. But just like the regular practice, now we never been like I said, this five star will never be in the same team. He at least put like a two or three over there, and put two on the other side, and we and that's how we practice, and we make it practice very comparable. So we we fight, you know, in the practice, and we play hard to make each other better. So. And and your game. You took both sides of the ball very seriously. You weren't you weren't like me where defense was a little bit of an afterthought. Right? You were you were taking care of everything on the offensive side, and you were the best defender. I mean, you were a lockdown defender. It didn't matter who you were guarding. Is that something yeah. that developed for you over time? It seemed like each year you were able to improve on your game in a few mm-hmm. facets. So, how did you approach that? You know, mentally on both ends of the floor. Well, it is just like the way, you know, I'm, that's the way I'm comparing by playing this game. This game, you just got to play in both ways, you know. <laughs> you can't think about, okay, I'm only going to play on offense and defense. I don't play much on defense. So, to me, I got to do it in both ways. You know, sometimes my offense does not work out, but I feel like if I can play good defense, I can help my team that way, and we can be anybody. And if I can guard one of the best players there, then they call for him to, score a lot of points and my team will play well and I will play well in the offense. That means that's a chance for us. I mean, I work on all the times every year. It's like, a, you know, I mean, to talk to the coaches. What is it? What's my point? What I need to get better on and what I need to improve on the team. You know, defensively, it was my, my, my one thing. I want to play a good defense and the offense is always working stuff out. You know, when you play defense, you get a steal. You, the offense is not a problem. You know, you can get the shot. You can get whatever you want. The offense long as you get a stop so that's just the way I felt about basketball and that's the way I play so do you remember any matchup in particular at the college level 
um, or one player in particular that was maybe more difficult to guard? You know, one guy as you were preparing for, you knew that you were going to be in for a war for 40 minutes? <laughs> I mean, you know, I got, I got so many, a lot of great players in the college. And I mean, all of them even playing in league. So it's every night a battle, you know. I mean, I knew my time is never going to be easy. I mean, you trying to play an offense and you trying to play defense against the one that got, you know, probably 90% of offense for him. So he's going to work hard, get to the screen. You're going to, you know, just chase him all over. I mean, there's a lot of guys, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, this one guy, little guy playing from uh, the green, whatever, mm-hmm. he's fast. I mean, I got so many guys, you know, even the guy passed away recently a couple of years, two years now, I don't know, Lasso Bowler. Mm-hmm. He's a tough guy to guard. And uh, even, uh, what's his name, Kyle Culver. You know, Kyle Culver shoot everywhere. So, guard Kyle Culver is also tough, you know. And you got to go, when we play Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati got all these guys. You have to defend them. I mean, every night I feel like, I mean, I have to and you know the thing about Coach, I, I like about Coach uh, Mara, he put me anybody. He can put me, if you're playing four, I, I, I can go a four man, I can go a point guard. He can put me in two, three, so I always mix it up. So, I mean, it kind of helped me a lot because when I prepared, you know, I got to go against Alano in practice. He's one of the quickest guys in our league, too. So I had to guard him in practice, and now I got to guard guys and run off the screen. So, mm-hmm. and I think it's, it's a lot of guys in our league back in the day they're all making the league and all great players, you know, so. Yeah, and preparing for each of those matchups a little bit different. You know, you talked about yeah, it's a little bit different. the four-man, yeah. you're, you're bodying a little bit more in the post. Exactly. Out more physical. You play a guy like exactly. Kyle Corver, you're going a little bit more off a of screening action. And then when you talk a team like St. Joe's, if you're guarding Jameer Nelson, Delonte West, now you're in exactly. a one-on-one matchup, pick and roll. Exactly. I, I even forget about this guy, Jameer Nelson, you know. <laughs> It was so yeah, Coach, Coach Mata said, and I don't know if you would remember him, you know, talking about what was a win uh, when you played against a guy like Jameer Nelson. He was like, he needed to score less than the amount of shots that he took. So Coach Mata was like, if he scores 30 but shot 31 times, that's a win for Xavier. Do you remember no, that, sharing that with yeah. you guys? Yeah, but, you know, this is the same thing like when I prepared the guard, guys. I mean, you cannot, I would say, I won't stop the guys to score zero points. But basically, if you're going to score 10 points, you have to take a 20 shot, you know? So that's just my mindset. I'm going to make a hard for him. Every ball he's going to get, he's going to work hard to get his shot up. And, you know, he's going to take one of it. He might, he might make one a tough one, but at least have to be more than his percentage. Right? And I think that's true. Coach Mara said that. And when we beat St. Joe, when they're number one in a country like this in this tournament, all we're doing is just make it off of these guys. We say, okay, you're going to be out, you're going to take a lot of shots, you know, mm-hmm. and we did it. So it's true. Yeah, I, I didn't even want to bring up your ability to shoot the three-point shot uh, because you made over um, 300 threes during your time at Xavier. You're still number one all-time, which which pains me being a three-point <laughs> shooter. I, you know, I, I remember hearing about Romain Sato, how good of a three-point shooter you were, and my goal was to catch you. I didn't quite get there, so... No, you didn't get there? <laughs> I did not get there. I, 
trust me, I wanted to get there, and and actually, I, I couldn't talk to you until I was over it. I've been bitter about it for years, and then after my 30th birthday, I, I finally I finally let it go. I wrote a letter to myself. I put it under my and I just I got I had to let go of a few things, and that was one. But, uh. but you were so successful during your time at Xavier. Uh, you know, four year starter, averaged double figures every year, scored over two thousand points as a player, you know, just under nine hundred rebounds as well. And once again it shows the value of your game on both sides of the floor. Played in four NCAA tournaments. You know, you know, now that you've been away from the program for a number of years, you know, how do you look back at your time at X? Wow, I mean it's I can never like, I mean, take anything away for that. To be part of one of the greatest, you know, programs, you know, playing four years and finish school there, you know, I mean, it's like family to me. You know, this place is very like a home to me. I mean, I put it like I always say. People ask me, "What Xavier is?" I say, "Is this my home?" You know, I feel like this is home. I mean, I had a great memory there. I have a great life there. You know, people just unbelievable on the run. I mean, it's just like family. Like, every time I go back there, you know, I feel like home. You know, that's the thing I like about it. So, it's a lot of great memories in this place. And he just, I'm just honored and privileged to be part of one of the best, you know, programs. I mean, I can't, I, I, I always feel like I want to recruit anybody going to visit because that's just the, the best life you're going there you're going to have, you know. So. Well, and you build up such a uh, connection in relationship with your teammates, uh, and you yes. played with some special ones. Do you have any yes. uh, memories that stick out to you uh, with, with your teammates? You know, maybe practice or travel or an in-game situation that sticks out to you. Um, I mean, we I, I had a great relationship with so many guys. You know, even if you freshman, you tell me I was. I mean, you under my. Um, you know, because I felt the same way when I got there my freshman year. D-West is there, you know, and a lot of these guys, you know, helped me a lot, you know. So every time when he got came here, I mean, I have a good relationship with most of them. You know, I mean, we had a great time. I mean, D-West is always a part of it when I got to Xavier, you know. He showed me around and helped me a lot. You know, Lionel Trump, they did the same things and, you know, I mean, it make it easy for me to, you know, be around and I think that's that's when, you know, that's the guys I was, you know, kept talking to them, Anthony Coleman, all these guys, you know, all, most of my teammates, you know, like I played with Justin Doman for one season, but, you know, we played together overseas and we always have a good, you know, good time together, you know, family, we know each other, we see talking. I mean, it's just a, it's just a part of life and being family with these guys. So it's a great thing. One, one of the teams that everybody points to and talks about is the team, 2003-2004 that made that incredible run to the Elite Eight. Uh, the team yes. started out a little bit slow, and you guys just went on a tear. <laughs> you know, what yes. was it about that team that made you guys so special uh, and gave you guys that ability to play at such a high level, you know, that second half of the season? Well, you know, we just we started the season flat, you know, and it's my senior year, and it's Alano last year, Anthony Miles last year, you know, we were the senior looking around like, man, this is just going to be world season for us. And we don't want to finish like this. I mean, we had a, had a great three years. You know, it's my last year. I don't want my last year to be like, oh, we didn't make it to the tournament. We didn't go anywhere. You know, that's just, you know, that's not a good one to be finished like that. So, I mean, through the years, we're trying to figure out what we need to get it done. But we can never get it right. 
You know, and a couple of you know, the first round of the season is the same thing, you know. And one day I will play, I think the game of Reza will be playing DW on DW, just Washington there. And we got beat by, I don't know, about 20 some, almost 30. Mm-hmm. You know, and from now, we just, after that game, we just all got picked. And I I remember Coach Miller, Sean Miller called me in his office the next day when we got home. He's like, after class, he called me, he's like, I mean, I went, uh, I went in his room, he said, you know, it's either way you want this season to be something failure or you want this season to be something you can remember for the rest of your life. You know, you know just go out there and do what you can do and help your teammates and just finish the season strong. You never know what can happen. You know, one game or two games can change, you know, and I mean, all season. So when he talks to me, he talks to Charm, he talks to Anthony. I mean, the coach, you know, Mara, talking to us about it, and we all senior got together. We had a little meeting. We just said, you know what? That's all we're going to do. We're going to push this young guy, and we got a lot of young guys that year. So we're going to push them, and we're going to just start step up and do something happen and to see what happens. That's how the season turned around, the second round of the season, and when we got to the tournament, we know the way we've been playing, we can be anybody. So we didn't even scare for who's there, and we just going to play a whole game, and we know that's the only way we get a chance to make it in terms. So, I mean, every day we made happen. So, well, one of the games that uh, the fan base still points to is that game against St. Joe's in the A10 tournament, and, and that team was yeah. special. I think they were number one in the country at that time. I, I don't believe they had lost a game in the season um, or in the A10 tournament, and no, that they, game wasn't yeah, even like, close. I mean, it was it was done from when the whistle started at, at, at 20 minutes. So, you know, do you remember that game and how you guys were able to just dismantle that team? Well, we, you know, the crazy thing about it, everybody kind of stopped. You know, we didn't have no team. And we weren't playing into number one, not only in the A-10, but number one in the country. So, you know, we all feel like, you know what, hey, we playing this guy almost three, four years. We know them well. You know, me playing, I'm playing against Jimmy Nelson, I'm playing against Deontay West and all these guys. We all playing that league together and then all, all, all last year too. So we feel like, you know, we can beat them. I mean, it's no, they're not like a special. So we got a team we can compete. We must, to me, I would tell a guy, we must as well against them because we can guard Jimmy Nelson, I can guard Deontay West, who whatever, we can play defense. And I felt like, you know, we our chance. I like our chance when we start. And in the morning, we feel like, okay, we got this. I just told the guy, we go out there, play hard, give everything we got. And we did. And, you know, they come out, they didn't believe we can be them. So we just come out hard and just play defense and the offense is clicking and we just get a stop and make a stop for them. And from there, they got nothing else to do, you know. That's why we, we close up the game. See, I was thinking it was just going to be like maybe a special cup of coffee or like, a, you know, a brand of Wheaties that you had before the game. Because I'm taking notes here and I'm like, well, I'm going to start eating that every day. So it wasn't anything like that, which is unfortunate. It sounds like it was just hard work and dedication. Okay. Then- no, we just, we just know if we can, our goal is they're number one in the country. We can beat them. And they were number one in uh, A10 that time. So if we mm-hmm. beat them number one in the country, be number one in A10, hey, we don't be anybody. Because we know we know we might have win the game, and in tournament we know we can make a run, and will change give us a chance to make the tournament. And it's special, them they're the number one seed. So, you know we feel like if we can beat them, and all guys believe it. We believe when we got to the locker room and before the game, a lot of talk, and I just say, hey guys, just go have fun. Coaches just say, hey, give everything we got, mm-hmm. and just how it is. We prepared the game well, 
And I know we had a couple of days to prepare for them, and I feel like, you know, we had a great preparation for the game and game plan and all that. If we can stick with our game plan, well, we got this, and that's how it happened. <laughs> well, and then you, you guys delivered in the NCAA tournament as well. I, I mean, you were fantastic during that run. Uh, yeah. Lost to Duke in the Elite Eight, and I watched a little bit of that game tape here over the last week, and yeah. it seemed like Anthony Miles, especially in that second half, you know, his physicality really set the tone against Sheldon Williams at Duke. Oh, man, he if he didn't foul out, we'd be in the Final Four. So Coach Mata <laughs> said the same exact thing, because I think he fouled out with about nah. seven or eight minutes to go. And Yeah, man. he didn't foul out, we'd be in the Final Four. I, I knew that day. He's had a great, great game against the he, – he just dominated the pants. Mm-hmm. So we will give him the ball in the pants, and we'll make him dominate the pants, so we're going to be able to play an outside game. Because now, you know, he can't do anything else. You have to guard him in the paint. If you don't, hey, guess what? He's going to work today. Mm-hmm. So he did a great job in dominating the paint. And I just feel like, hey, just a bad time. And, you know, coach is already got a guy going to tap for him and waiting on the table. And he picked up his fair foul. I mean, you can't control that. I mean, coach, if his coach is going back and thinking about it, he'll tap him like a long time, like even before he picked up his four foul. But he's playing great, and we seven minutes to go. We feel like if he don't pick up these four five, you know, we got a chance. But he pick up the four quick one, and next thing you know, he, I mean, you know, he's playing against the Duke. They're gonna protect their players, and I feel like the foul they gave him a fifth foul just to get him up because he's playing so good in the paint. Uh, that, I swear that happens to every team that plays against Duke. It just it's just something that happens, and Duke. It, Duke threw everything at you. I mean, they did not yeah. want you to beat them. I mean, did you no. feel like they were, uh, you know, guarding you differently, throwing multiple guys at you? I mean, they were definitely very keyed up on you on the perimeter. No, no, they know. They know the, the game is like, and then Lionel, if we are down with the game, they got no chance. So they will just put their body, they put everybody, you know, go change the game. But, okay, my goal is like, okay, if I can do it, I'm not scoring a lot, but Lionel, and, Anthony Miles is doing his job there, so we're going to give him the ball to they stop him. No, they can't stop him. You know, I mean, the only thing that's stopping him, I mean, I would never say referee change the game, but sometimes when you see it, you be like, man, this can't go either way. If the referee didn't make that call, guess what? He's stay on the court. Yeah, we be Duke. I felt like that, that year we just, we just playing great basketball in the tournament, and we can be anybody in the front of us. And we're playing well against them. You know, even all of us, yes, just, just know the way we're playing, they got no chance. So Anthony fought out. Even Anthony fought out, we still got the game to the last minute. You know, now I have to move up. I have to play out the four. Justin Dumas has to play out the five. And we got nobody else to to defend. And they got in the pen no more. They, you know, that's why we, we struggled in the last two, three minutes. Your winning didn't stop, though. I mean, at the professional level, and not as many Xavier fans you know, have been able to watch your games overseas. Uh, yeah. but you're an all-time great player on the international scene. You know, four Italian league championships, league MVPs, a Spanish league title. I, I mean, you've lived a very in- unique life and an amazing life. Um, ha- have you had time to think about, you know, everything that you've accomplished as a basketball player? Uh, no, yeah, you know, I still, still cling to my mind sometimes. I'm like, well, Man, God is good. That's what I always say to my kids. God is good. I've been through a lot in life, and then, man, I mean, even this, you know, the most difficult thing in life is the last championship I won in the Spanish league. This is the toughest one. 
because we uh, this team have been in the 30 years they never won championship mm. in the Spanish league. So one of these championships in the Spanish league, I felt like, wow, man, I accomplished so much just to win this in 30 years. The team haven't won. So it's just the best feeling, you know. Right now, just sometimes when I sit down looking around, I, you know, it's not click yet. Maybe in a couple of years, I can start thinking more about it. <laughs> so, yeah. How were you yeah. able to sustain that success over such a long period of time? I'm always, you know, amazed at players like yourself that are able to compete at such a high level for such a long time. You know, and I, you know, Tom Brady is one of my favorite players, and it's because yeah. of his longevity and his mm -hmm. uh, commitment to detail and, you know, taking advantage of each minute and each moment and each practice. You know, what it, was it for you that allowed you that long-term success as a basketball player? I mean, I just take care of my body, you know. That's the most thing. I mean, any guy who playing long will tell you that. I mean, I'm a just – I'm a blast to tell you that. I'm a blast to be able to play in this game. And God gave me so much blessing in life because, man, I play – 12, 13 seasons of a season, I never hurt. You know, I never have any serious injury. I never have any problem. I never have, you know, I, I twist my ankle here, here. But I do have a serious pro problem to miss the game. I mean, I never have that. So I felt like God, he just blessed me and blessed my career. And then I felt like I, I'd be able to do it and then take care of my body, you know, prepare my body well, you know, rest if I need to, you know, just practice and you know, do what I'm supposed to do to keep my body going. You know, overseas is tough. A lot of people don't know, but if you know, over here we play basketball, you get a break, you get a time off. But overseas, you play a team, they will practice you like crazy. To be honest with you, you practice twice a day. You know, you know, you don't even before the game. You have game tonight. You know, usually you have shooting, but people overseas, you have practice before the game. So. <laughs> I mean, it depends on some coaches. You know, some coaches are not like this, but some coaches, for them, games do not mean nothing. You're going to have a good practice in the morning, you're going to play a game or not. That's just how it is. So, I mean, I'll be able to use that I and mean, prepare my body and just take care of my body, do what I'm supposed to do, just keep me going. And, you know, I, I would say, I don't know, my career is always to be blessed by God. God is having my plan, and then so far is everything worked well for me. You know, it would be nice to be in the NBA, but I had a great career in the season. I can't complain. I had a great life playing basketball, do what I love to do. And, I mean, it's just a great. All right, well, I'd obviously like to thank Romain Sato for his time. Just an incredible player with an amazing story. Uh, I'd also like to thank Xavier Athletics, Heartland Bank, and, of course, all of the guests for taking part uh, in this interview series. I'm blessed to be a part of Xavier Nation and hope you guys enjoy this 10-part podcast series. Until the next time, go X. Love you guys. Thanks again for checking this out. Brown against Burton. Brown starting his dribble. He moves in. He pops up. He shoots. Scores! Lenny Brown! Xavier wins it! The Muskies win it! 71-69! And this the UC Bearcats are number one in the country, number two in their own city!